Welcome to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Heyman, a collaborative podcast with Pass It On Network. This program is brought to you by all of Community Services. Seniors deserve to have a fulfilling life with dignity and respect, but as we transition into our elderhood years, this doesn't always happen. Join us today as we discuss some of the most important issues that seniors face and provide much-needed answers to your questions. Now, here is Phyllis Amon. Welcome to Senior Straight Talk, presenting informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. I'm Phyllis Amon, your host, and the show, which began in September of 2019, was formerly known as Voices for Elder Care Advocacy. And all of the episodes can be found on the Voice America Empowerment Channel under the name Senior Straight Talk. They can also be downloaded on popular podcast platforms. The show is also syndicated on the Voice America Influencers Channel, so please remember to like, click, and share the episodes. For those listeners who are in what I call SOS mode, stressed, overwhelmed, and stretched, watch out for my upcoming free caregiver distress recovery challenge, helping caregivers find a path to bringing much-needed self-care into their daily routine. It features empathy, my registered trademark, which is also the basis of a self-care commitment letter and teaches strategies from my proprietary framework for self-care, self-kindness, self-compassion, and self-forgiveness. Strategies that will help you feel recharged and re-energized as you face life's challenges. Family members considering taking on the role of caregiver or those just beginning the caregiver journey can find valuable information in my course, A Caregiving Guide for Caregivers, The Basics. The information for the course will be on my website in the near future. My latest book, Dignity and Respect, Are Our Aging Parents Getting What They Deserve, is available on Amazon in both paperback and ebook formats. The book addresses critical information about how we care for and treat our elder citizens in our families, our communities, in nursing homes, and assisted living residences around the country. I'm honored that Dr. Bill Thomas wrote the foreword for the book, so I hope you'll purchase a copy and encourage your friends and colleagues to do the same. I appreciate your support, and I hope you will spread the word on this all-important topic. Senior Straight Talk is proud of the collaborative partnership with the Pass It On Network, a global peer learning network for positive aging advocates, and a member of the United Nations Open-Ended Working Group on Aging. Senior Straight Talk and the Pass It On Network continue bringing listeners informative conversations for the senior years of our lives. I'm proud to have Active Pure Technology as the Senior Straight Talk sponsor. Active Pure Technology is an active patent technology that is the clean air solution for COVID pollution. Active Pure Technology delivers measurable and guaranteed results, giving you the peace of mind to know that you are providing a safe environment and the best protection for the people you care for, whether in your business or in your home. Now I'd like to introduce today's guest. She's an author, founder of Dementia and Alzheimer's Wellbeing Network, creator of the Dawn Method, and a retired elder law attorney. Her two books, The Dementia Handbook and Dementia with Dignity, take person-centered dementia care from theory to practice by teaching how to provide strength-based dementia care. Through Dawn, she provides counseling, private classes, and an online video program for families and home caregivers. 
Her goal is to help families learn how to truly support their loved ones and enjoy more companionship as they live with dementia. So I'm happy to introduce to you today, Judy Cornish. Oh, thanks so much, Phyllis. Thanks so, much here with for, you. Uh, thanks so much for agreeing to, uh, to be here. I feel like I'm talking with a celebrity because <laughs> um, recently you were on a wonderful panel with Seth Rogen, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And um, Robin Williams' wife, which is, uh, that Susan. must have been quite an experience to have the opportunity to be in that space and, and hear part of her story. Yeah, yes. Poor Robin, you know, so much was said about um, his death and there was so much speculation before the autopsy was done. And nobody, Susan and Robin had no idea either that he was experiencing Lewy body dementia. And in fact, his, the, uh, the person who did the autopsy said that he, he didn't know how he could be walking around, that he had never seen a brain so, so filled with Louis bodies. What oh a courageous man. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, because he was such a brilliant person, right? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, really kind of, because of his brilliance, really out there in a way, right? He so was. People yeah. assumed, uh, and myself included, that that contributed to the actions that he took ending his life, when in reality, there was much more to it. There was. They went, poor Susan and, and, and Robin, they went, oh, at least two years looking for diagnosis. And really, you know, I know a lot of her work now today is um, urging people to pursue diagnosis. But it's so difficult, uh, you know, with in my work with my clients, very often off you go, you go and talk to the GP and the GP doesn't, you know, so often the GP will just say, no, 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 nothing's wrong. I don't Correct. think anything's wrong. And, and yet they, you've just been there for a few minutes. You know, how many minutes do you get in an appointment with a doctor? So it's interesting that you say that because my daughter, um, uh, recently told me that her father, we're divorced, had been experiencing for quite some time, she was concerned about some of the behaviors and symptoms that he was showing. Yeah. And she finally took him to a doctor. He finally agreed to go. And um, <laughs> so she told me that the doctor said no, uh, that he had some other psychological situations going on. So I asked her what testing he did and uh, like he asked her, he asked him like three or four questions and that was the end of it. You know, that it's just so frustrating for those of us who really work in the dementia uh, world to right. have the, these, the medical professionals do that and dismiss what the family has been watching. And, you know, uh, you, you have to give them credit that our, our doctors, the medical um, education, is not an education in the effects of losing certain cognitive skills. Our doctors are experts in physical maladies, not cognitive losses. Correct. And, and so they fail to recognize what's going on. And goodness, we all know that when we are in, uh, you know, when you get put on the spot, like maybe your ex-husband, and, and you finally have agreed to go off to the doctor for a diagnosis, <laughs> and you know you're going to be getting looked at for possibly a diagnosis of dementia or Alzheimer's. And, and so what do we do? 
we put our best foot forward, we pull it together. Right. And, oh my goodness, for 15 minutes, we can right. sound really together. Right, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. But if that doctor, if the if the doctor were to spend three weeks with someone, they would also be seeing all those odd little changes that we go through when we lose these very specific cognitive skills. And that's, that's my work is, is just, you know, and, and the way I got into, uh, became involved with dementia. Oh, that was my next question. So that was great. You led right into it. Awesome. Yeah, no, you know, I'm no, I'm no medical professional. I'm just a lawyer. And, you know, I've, I've worked with so many families where um, the person, you know, I'm, I'm, when I'm doing an estate or, or, you know, helping somebody probate an estate where nobody in the family understood that that individual was experiencing dementia or maybe one or two of the children understood, but the rest didn't believe it. Um, so often older couples, the caregiver spouse just can't accept that their their loved one of so many decades is actually experiencing dementia and they'll be in denial. And right. then the individual experiencing dementia, very often dementia has already affected that part of the brain that allows us to be aware of changes in ourselves. Right. And that's called anosognosia. That happens right. not just with dementia, but also with strokes. Right. And so because I came to this world of dementia care from a totally different perspective, I came, um, it, it, for me, it was through a neighbor. I, my neighbor, I knew she had Alzheimer's. She told me. She told me that the thing she was the best at was forgetting. Oh. And <laughs> she had this intricate system of sticky notes and notes to herself and a day timer and a calendar and and all these little reminders for her forgetfulness incredibly incredibly um intelligent way to work around absolutely losing your memory but for me i came at it um with no context so i had no previous expectations i had heard that when somebody was experiencing dementia that they would gradually go crazy and then we would need to lock them up, lock the doors and use drugs to prevent them right. from being a danger to themselves and others. That's all I knew. Right. And then I started working with my neighbor and um, that's not what I saw happening. Right. And, and, and then her daughter showed up one weekend, came for a visit and said, came over to meet me and said, well, you know, now she's losing the car. She takes the car to the grocery store right. and she forgets and she walks home and then she thinks somebody stole it. So right. I'm going to put her in that care facility over there. Right. And so, I, you know, I volunteered. I said, goodness, I don't work full time. Um, let me help. I don't want to see her forced to move from the home she right. loves. Can I and just interject something? Uh, one, one thing at that, what you just said, because I encourage people um, not to use the word put um, yeah. and you said move but she said put uh, yeah. because it really takes away a person's dignity autonomy oh. sense of uh you know who their station in life that yeah. somebody's just moving them around like a i don't know like a bag of flour furniture yeah. right 
tell them where to go and, and that's where they go. And it's, it's a terrible thing that people experience, not only for people with dementia, but a lot of older people who wind up in assisted livings, memory care. So, right. home. so I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I just, I wanted to comment on that because as people are listening, um, I am always very careful to say people are transitioning or moving to another place. I, it's such a vitally important thing to bring up because to, to my mind, in, in that very first instance with my neighbor, here is a woman who is demonstrating incredible resourcefulness, intelligence, courage, integrity, all of the things we value the most in ourselves. And her daughter just shows up and says, Sam, well, you know, she's losing the car. Sam, I'm going to put her over there. Right. And it was like, it was as if she was talking about furniture. Right. Yeah, we don't, we don't need that chest of drawers anymore. I'm going to take right. it over to the Goodwill. You know, and, and that is not okay. And I think we uh, should be thinking about the way we talk about our elders. because Absolutely. Just because I have lost certain cognitive skills, just because I can no longer recall or, or reach, retrieve information from the past, does not mean that I am 100% fully capable of living in the present. I need help. I need different support. But my goodness, you know, if, if we treated our children the way we treat our elders, there would be outcry. Oh, absolutely. I yeah. just had a conversation with a, a colleague and I was telling her that, um, because I was telling her about our upcoming conversation and yeah. I, I was telling her that a lot of people think that people with dementia, especially at the most advanced stages, because they don't seem to be present in the moment, aware of what's happening, maybe, um, maybe by words, maybe by actions. But I always am mindful of what Maya Angelou said that People may not remember what you say, but they remember how you made them feel. Precisely. And so this is a person who has feelings, who responds to, you know, to touch and facial expression and tone of voice. And, and that all, that all, you know, is part, becomes part of the experience that they're having. And people forget that. I, you I, know, we conflate things here in the United States or, or when we're, you know, when, when we're working with people, why is it that we assume that because a person cannot open their eyes, that their ears are not working? Oh, I agree. 5,000. Why? <laughs> I have I, a friend of mine or her mom is um, in the process of dying. And, um, you know, so she is, there are hospice nurses and she's in the hospital. But one of the nurses said to my friend, oh, well, she can't talk. What's the point of having a conversation? Why should you be allowed in here to be with your mom? She can't talk. Oh well, goodness. for goodness sakes, if, if I can't talk, does that mean that I cannot benefit from being with the ones I love? Correct. If I can't talk, does that mean I can't hear? Does that mean I can't think? Where is the proof that the person who is in the final stages of dementia is not fully present, but simply unable to demonstrate that they are 100% present. And, you know, I should, 
I don't know. I'm probably taking us off. off no, topic. this is but, great. You know, here's here was my experience. So I'm nothing but a lawyer. I'm no expert. So I came with no expectations other than I get to spend time with my elders. Right. And my elders are losing very specific skills. And one of those skills they're losing is their memory. They are going to lose the ability to access information from the past. And what that means is my dear neighbor across the street and all of the people I've worked with since, they were going to lose knowledge of who they loved, of who loved them, the names of these people, and the relationships. Right. Now, that is a profound loss. On the other hand, they did not lose their humanity their ability to love or their ability to feel love. So here's, here, based on that, I have an assumption. And uh, I remember one day, and this was actually my neighbor across the street, fast forward from that day, her daughter showed up and said, I'm gonna put mom over there. Um, and we're now probably 10, 12 years later. And uh, my neighbor is now living in an adult family home and I come for a visit. There's a new care, caregiver on staff and, and I come in and she says, well, so who are you? Who are you here to visit? And I said, well, I'm here to see Mary. Mary and I have known each other. Oh, there's no point. You're wasting your time. She's in bed. She, she'll never know it's you. And I said, that's okay because I know it's her. Right. And she said, no, 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 no. It's a total waste of your time. She can't talk. She doesn't open her eyes. She's she's completely comatose. She's just in bed. That's it. You're wasting your time. And I said, thank you anyways, but I'm going to go spend time with Mary. And I went into her room and I got a chair and I pulled it up next to her bed. And true, there's Mary. Mary is lying in bed in fetal position, completely still, eyes closed. She made no movement or any sign that she was aware that I walked into the room. I sat down beside her. I didn't touch her because I know Mary doesn't know who I am. Right. And I sat down so that I was looking at Mary's face. If she chose to open her eyes or if she could, I would have been what she saw. I began to talk. I said, hey, Mary, it's Judy. It's your good friend, Judy. I love you and you love me. Let me think about how we met. Oh, let's see. I remember it was that day I moved into the neighborhood. You were out front watering your tomato plants. Oh my goodness, Mary, you had the prettiest tomato plants I had ever seen. And I came across the street and introduced myself. I said, hey, Mary, Mary, my name is Judy. I just moved in across the street. You know, Mary, you and I have had so much fun. Let me tell you some more fun of the fun things you and I have done. And as I talked to her, she was still completely still, eyes closed. But I continued telling her our stories. And then I started telling her all the stories she told me over the years. Because as she lost her memory skills, she started to repeat herself more and more often. Right. right. And so I had taken these stories and learned them by heart. And I began to tell her about the same thing she told me. And I used her words and her phrases. And this is very much like playing music for somebody. I was just yeah. going to say, that's right. okay, yes. because we I both use know about music and memory and Cohen's right to music. Yes. And I, oh, yeah. Uh, same principle. It's Why the same this principle. Absolutely. 
Why does it work? You know, it works because when I'm experiencing dementia, I'm going to lose my rational thinking skills, but I will not lose my intuitive thinking Correct. skills. So with my intuitive thinking skills, I can receive all of the um, music and phraseology. And so what I did was tell her her memories and I started to tell her, Mary, you have lived a long and a good life. You have been loved by many people and you love many people. Let me tell you the stories you told me about your husband. I remember you told me this is how you met your husband. And I just started telling her her memories in her words. And one eye opened and she looked at me like she couldn't believe what she was hearing. Mm. Both eyes opened and I was there probably about half an hour. At the end of half an hour, this person who hadn't moved, spoken, smiled, or opened her eyes for weeks was holding my hands, chuckling, mm. laughing, and taking part in the conversation. And when I went to leave, she puckered up and asked for a kiss. So now, that is what it means to be in the last stages of dementia. Correct. And that I'm, I, I'm making the assumption here, I could be wrong, but um, I'm, I'm thinking that that is part of what you mean by strength-based dementia, appealing yeah. to somebody's strengths, what they have, their memories. Uh, you know, I, I tell people that um, it's so important before they get anywhere near that point. Of course, people don't want to quote unquote, think about that, but as, as somebody, um, that I work with told me, you know, their husband was fine until, um, until a few months ago, when all of a sudden they discovered he had cancer all over his body. So people don't plan for these things. But yeah. I really do think that people should start to create legacy books, start to write their memories, whether it's personalized music and creating those lists or songs or recipes or places they've been way before there's a need for it. So when that time comes, and I had suggested this many years ago at a nursing home uh, where there was a memory care unit. And I said to the administrator, there wasn't a memory care unit before he got there. And he did do some good things, but it, it had a long way to go. Um, in all honesty. And I asked him, so uh, let me ask you a question. Um, When the regular staff uh, is not available, uh, somebody calls out or they're on vacation or they're sick, uh, do you bring in staff from other parts of the nursing home? Of course, the answer was yes. Yes. So I said, well, how do those people know anything about this person? How how do they know if Mildred wears her red sweater for lunch or if Jack only drinks tea or likes yeah. strawberry ice cream? I said, wouldn't it be wonderful to create something like that and create a sense of community so that everybody knows about this person? And as that person advances in their dementia and lose some of these memories, their people that they're living with can help them remember those things. It's, you know, essentially what you're talking about is us beginning and recognizing what's going to be lost. And that to me, you know, you've been describing person-centered care. That's what we call person-centered dementia care. Yeah. Let's make sure we understand who this person was so that we can share that knowledge so that, that the knowledge of who they were 
is brought into their present by their current companions. And, and that's why I say when, we are take, when you understand what the strengths of dementia are, you are actually putting person-centered care into action. Because not, not only am I who I was, I'm also who I am today. And, and I am currently today using skills. Dementia is right. only going to take away some of my skills. And that, that's premise number one, is no, dementia does not make us crazy. Right, right. No, right. no, it takes away very specific skills. Correct. And, and so if we understand that what skills people are still using and cater to those strengths, well, then we can really be person-centered. You know, I love that idea, like Darren Evans, he created After Cloud, um, which is, he has memories and he also has um, another one for hospice. Um, two pieces or software setups for capturing and gathering the whole person and, mm. and who they were and their memories, their stories, their preferences, um, everybody in the care team. Um, Circle of is another good one. Um, Bruce Feld has another one for putting together video stories of mm. people, um, both for, you know, we've got so much great software now. But, but to just, you know, like in a thumbnail, it, it takes me eight weeks. Um, to teach the Dawn method when I'm teaching a family. But I, I um, in a thumbnail, what happens to us? And this took me five years. I, I had to put my law, to, law practice aside and just spend all my time with people experiencing dementia to see the pattern. But what's happening is not medical, it's not physical, it's cognitive. Correct. It's, it's a change in my cognitive skills that is causing me to have stress reactions, fight or flight, or right. freeze or fawn. And, and those changes in my skills change the way I interact with people and the way I solve problems. Right. I lose rational thinking. What's that really mean? You know, the, the neurologist says, well, you're going to lose your executive functions. Right. Well, I'm, I'm not a neurologist, so that's no help. I'm just a liar. Right. So right. <laughs> what does that really mean? Right. Well, right. What that right. really means is I'm going to lose the ability to perceive cause and effect. Right. So if you want me to put on a coat before we go outside, I'm going to get upset because I'm inside and I'm warm and I don't want to put on right. a coat. Right cause and effect. I'm going to lose the ability to sequence. So if you want me to put on my shoes and socks, you have confused me with that, with that suggestion. You should suggest to put on my socks. And when I've succeeded in that, suggest that I put on my shoes. But the big one, the big frustration for caregivers, prioritization of ideas or actions. Right, right. That so on is, that note, on that yeah. note, we're going to take a short break because I want to okay. come back and talk more about the Dawn method and um, explain to people, have people understand what that really is and maybe how to find out about working with you or how to find out about it. So we'll be right back on Senior Straight Talk, sponsored by Active Pure Technology. Phyllis Amon, owner of Phyllis Amon Associates, provides strategic solutions to families seeking care for their loved ones and coaches them to become more effective advocates. Her expertise comes from working in over 45 nursing homes. Phyllis, known for her passion, empathy, high quality care standards, and quality life for older adults, is an experienced educator, speaker, and trainer. 
She's bridged the gap from healthcare to public and private sector businesses on topics from communication, caregiving, empathy, and novel approaches to team building and leadership. As we continue on life's journey, there are certain situations which we all must face. Care and treatment don't always measure up to what it's supposed to be, and there are many questions that need to be answered. Tune in to Senior Straight Talk with host Phyllis Amon. Seniors deserve to have a purposeful and passionate, fulfilling life, and we'll bring you the information that you need to hear to make it happen. Listen on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or your favorite podcast platform. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. You are tuned in to Senior Straight Talk with Phyllis Heyman. If you'd like to leave us a question or comment about our program, please feel free to email the host at phyllis at seniorstraighttalk.com. Now back to Senior Straight Talk. Welcome back to Senior Straight Talk, sponsored by Active Pure Technology, and I'm here with Judy Cornish, and we we just took a break just at the time when Judy was talking about the different aspects of what a person loses and what they have. And I really wanted her to talk more about the Dawn method, but what she's talking about is part of the Dawn method. And so um, I think we left off, I think you were saying the final big one. Um, Yeah, yeah. So we were talking about what it really means to when a neurologist says you've lost, you're going to lose your executive functions. Um, For us lay people, the non-neurologists of the world, those of us who are spending time with somebody who's losing these specific skills, we've got to think about functioning. How is this going to change the way I function? And how is that going to make me feel? Because the way I feel is going to determine the way I behave. And so I really don't want me upset if I'm losing rational thinking skills. But first we lose cause and effect. We also lose sequencing, but the big one is we lose prioritization, which means we lose the ability to comprehend why one thing, one action is more important than another. So Uh you see now, every time you say to me, but Judy, we need to do this, we must do it, you must not do that. You can't do that because, um, you know, anytime we use those qualifiers, I don't understand what you're saying. Right. So anytime we don't comprehend, or those of us who are companions, anytime we don't understand which what it means to actually lose these skills, we are setting our loved ones up for failure. Mm-hmm. And we are going to embarrass them and we're going to frustrate them. And that is going to cause them to, to be um, behaving in, in stress-induced ways. And when you think about the dementia-related behaviors, every one of those is simply a stress response from a human being. So it's interesting that you say that because I've been, you know, being involved with, in working with nursing homes, 
um, on and off for the last few years. I was doing it full time for many, many years. I see so many situations. Yeah. And I'll recall one. And uh, I, I, when I saw it, I was walking in one day and I hear a nurse aide, a, a very good nurse aide. And people aren't aware. They don't know the ways to go about this. And they right. and talk right. about mindlessness they're not mindful about what they're saying they're just responding they're reacting they're just being who they are it's not intentional or malicious or anything um but here was this gentleman who's was rather confused um but he would say to me sometimes they think i don't understand but i do but anyway nevertheless right. he was in a hallway that's another story eating breakfast another story <laughs> Yes. Well, we <laughs> yeah, won't go yeah. there with that part of the conversation. That's a different story. Yeah. Right. And um, he had the the uh, top of his plate, you know, the, the top that's that the cover turned upside down and he his food was in front of him. Yeah. And the uh, this per, the CNA came along and was admonishing him because she said he spit in this cover. And he said, no, I did not. And she said, oh, yes, you did. And he said, oh, no, I did not. And she's saying, well, it's not my spit in there. It's somebody's. It must be yours. It's on your table, right? So as, as an I'm, effect, right? right. Sequencing, and right? And it's argumentative. Now, he may, argumentative. Not, he may not even remember that he did that. He, he probably had no idea, but what difference right. did it really make? And right. so I, when I came into the rehabilitation department, I was recalling this, you know, this situation to the director. And I said to her, now, if he responds in a certain way, whether it's right. then or a little later, they're just going to point the finger at him and say, oh, his behavior is such and such and such. But nobody's really looking at the root cause of why exactly. these things happened. Right. That's right. He's once again, it's just like saying, I'm going to put my mother someplace. It's Correct. disregarding his humanity, his dignity Correct. and his autonomy entirely. He's being set up to fail by somebody who maybe that wasn't malicious, but it certainly was cruel. Right. And and and, she, and I mean, she, she probably didn't think of it that way. Apparently, this this gentleman I don't remember if he was a pastor or he was he was a very faith based person. This was yeah. probably um, and his wife had told me, uh, you know, he's a very proper guy. This was probably humiliating to him. Absolutely. Would it not be humiliating to you or I? Right. Exactly. Any human being. And she was talking to him as if he was a four year old. Correct. Right. And yet, if you were to talk that way to a four year old, four year olds um, confabulate. Why? Right. Because they haven't yet reached a comprehension of what is a dream and what is reality and why not? It's because their rational thinking skills are in flux. They are right. developing just the same way a person who's experiencing dementia is losing cognitive skills. Correct. So so this is this is why, you know, and yet think about the irritation, the embarrassment and the frustration that man experienced there in the hallway, and it's going to go with him through his day, just like you said. And he's Correct. not going to forget this young woman who did that to him either. Right. So we now have set him up for behaviors, so-called dementia-related behaviors, but really what it right. is, is a human being that we, through ignorance, have inadvertently embarrassed and frustrated. Right. Somebody who is our elder and deserves our respect. And yet we don't understand that's what, what the Dawn Method is about. It's like, let's take neurology and put it into 
plain English. Let's right. let's figure it out. What is it people don't do? Well, so they're not able to to see cause and effect. They're not able to understand explanations. You know, when when somebody's blind, we don't say to them, "Oh, you can't see." Oh, here, let me take your head. I'm going to turn your head in the right direction, and I'm going to point. Now you can see, right? right? Yeah, just follow where I'm pointing. But that's exactly what we do to the individuals who are experiencing the loss of of rational thinking skills. We say to them, what? You don't understand? Let me explain. I'll just right. explain it for you. Wah, 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 wah. You right. know, it, this, is, this is asking people to do what we know they cannot do. Who's crazy here? Right. Us. Right. I, I agree. But yeah. I don't think really people have that understanding. And when they Yes. And especially families. I was just right. with somebody earlier today and I said to this woman whose husband is is has advanced quite a bit and doesn't remember how to swallow food. I mean, it is right. a very gut-wrenching thing to experience and see, especially somebody that you loved and spent a lifetime with, right? Yes. Um, but people don't, even though they know about dementia, have heard about it or I have known people who have had it or their loved ones haven't heard their those experiences. It's the same as any other experience until you've lived it, walked that journey. It's like right. uh, uh, like divorce. I mean, unless you've yeah. been in a divorce, you don't know what the emotions are that go along with when the divorce is final. Exactly. And so um, yeah. I think, you know, I, I said to this woman, of course, you wouldn't have known that it would get where it is now. People right. don't understand. They know there's going to be a journey, um, but they don't really have a full understanding of what that's going to look like. They can't because it's different for every person and it's gut wrenching. It's yeah, very difficult. It but, you know, there is a pattern to the skills we lose to dementia, whether medical, you can't see it if you're looking at dementia from a medical perspective, then it's, it's inexplicable. Right. If you're looking at it medically, you got to think about, okay, well, what, what type of dementia is this? Because Alzheimer's affects you very differently from, say, Lewy body or um, cardiovascular induced dementia. Right. Um, and then you got to say, okay, so now, now we have a, and, but can you? Well, you can't really definitively define which type of dementia it is until the person's dead and you do a biopsy. Right. Okay, but we can come up with a pretty educated guess then we need to know exactly what parts of the brain it's affecting. Right. But we can't until we do that post-death uh, uh, autopsy. But, you know, that doesn't stop us. We then know it's disease, and so we're going to talk about symptoms. Right. But there's no symptoms. There's just changes in people's behavior. But, oh, that's right. okay. We will name certain human behaviors dementia-related. Correct. Even though, even though they affect all humans. Every time a Correct. human being is under stress, right. whether I'm, you're two years old or 22 or 92 with Correct. a diagnosis of dementia. There's but, no such thing really as right. dementia behaviors. No, there is stressed humans. Right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, so, so, so a medical approach to dementia is not working. Why do we keep doing it? So let's, let's flip it. Ah, good and, question. You know, instead we can see the model's not working. So let's go to let's go to a functional or an experiential model. This is the definition of habilitative dementia care. Right. And it's been around for three decades. It's or actually it's been around since the beginning of human time. But um, 
instead of looking at it medically, look at them for changes in functions. And and I have on somewhere on my website, um, I've got lots of resources. But if you're looking at dementia from a, from a experiential perspective, the way it, it changes the person's ability to function, there's six stages and they're easily recognizable and everybody goes through it. If you look at dementia oh. from the perspective of experience right. and cognitive skills kept and lost, once again, it's not inexplicable. It's a very personal private journey that follows a very distinct path, a recognizable path. I'll lose my rational thinking skills, but I will never lose my, my intuitive thinking skills. Right. There's my strengths, my intuitive thinking skills. And I know in this country, we like to think of rational thinking as the primary one and only set of thinking right, skills right. there ever are. But, you know, every neurologist will tell you that that's your secondary set, another right. set of skill, of tools. And that our intuitive thinking skills are the primary. And the, the intuitive thinking skills are strengths. But we also know this person's going to lose memory skills. Right. So goodness knows why the rest of us think we can jog their memory when, when we, we actually understand that they're losing the skill of remembering. Right. <laughs> and if I've lost the skill of remembering, that's like trying to point when I've lost the skill of seeing. Right. But, um, you know, I'm going to lose my remembering self. I lose access to information about the past. But that does not mean that I have lost my experiential self. Correct. I am living 100% fully present in the now. Correct. Now, that would remind you of something in America that we, we love greatly. It's called mindfulness. Mindfulness. Right. right. Okay. So everybody wants to talk about mindfulness. Nobody wants to talk about mindlessness. But what we're really talking about when we when we talk about mindfulness is we're talking about the ability and the presence of mind, the choice to direct our attention. Generally, we want to direct our attention to the present. Correct. And fully experience the present. Now, why? Why, why do we like to be present? It's because all the good stuff happens in the present. In the moment. In the in moment. The moment. That's and once you lose that moment, that moment is gone. I, yeah. I, I, not to take us off uh, that path, but a, a couple of months ago, um, I was thinking, uh, you know, Eckhart Tolle's book, The yeah. Power of Now. Yeah. I was saying, if you think about it existentially, there really is no now. Mm -hmm. True. Yeah. Because now is just gone. But our psychological perception of now, and this, this goes to Daniel Kahneman and that book, Thinking Fast and Slow. Right. He's, yeah, but um, the psychological perception of now is three seconds. And boy, you can really see that when you're, when you're with your loved one as you watch them go. When, when somebody has completely lost their memory skills, and somebody has completely lost their rational thinking skills. Because keep in mind, it's my memory skills that allow me to with to access information from the past. Right. And recall is everything that's occurred two to seven seconds in the past. We lose that. Right. Particularly Alzheimer's takes that away immediately. But 
Um, rational thinking skills, that's the skills that give us access to the future. Right. That's, that's our ability to initiate actions on our own. That's our ability to anticipate, plan, um, use comparative analysis, right. see cause and effect, see sequencing and prioritize. But once I've lost my memory skills entirely and I've lost my rational thinking skills entirely, I end up living in the three second now. And you can see people do it. I used to do it with my clients. We'd be in the car. And married say, hey, so where are we going? And say, oh, I thought we'd go for a scenic drive. Let's go out and look at the hills and then maybe we can get a, a cup of hot chocolate. Count the seconds after my voice right. and she'd say, oh, okay. Thousand, two thousand, three thousand. Judy, so what are we doing? Right, exactly. And I say, oh, you know, I thought we'd go for a scenic drive and maybe go pick up a hot chocolate or something. How does that sound? Oh, that sounds great. Okay. 1,000, 2,000, 3,000. Right. So, Judy, what is it we're doing? Oh, that's okay. I know you know, and we always have fun anyways. Right. And that would be when I knew my client had learned that she's safe with me and that I'll make sure we have right. a good time. Right. You know? so, so that's a client. That's a person who has learned that when I'm with Judy, I am safe. I right. never She's not being, I'm not frustrating her. I'm not embarrassing her, and I'm not scaring her right right I'm, I'm managing i use my skills my cognitive skills to manage what comes into her present right because and it's because of the strengths see it's it's good to understand what skills people can't use much more important to understand which skills people are still using yeah absolutely absolutely yeah. because people it's just what we said people don't think that these people have skills. They're looking at the loss. They're not looking at what's retained, oh, but they can but we do, do. Oh, what yeah. they are capable of doing. And they are capable of doing quite a bit. It may not be what oh, yeah. they used to do or, uh, you know, what you'd like to see them do, but they are capable of doing many things. You just have to look at it through a different lens. Well, I think you have to think about our value as human beings. If I've lost my memory skills or my rational thinking skills, I'm not going to be one of the really productive human beings. It's going to be hard for me to accomplish tasks. It's going to be really difficult for me to use technology. I am going to be trapped in the present and fully receiving all sensory information because here's what my skills are. And this is these, these intuitive thinking skills that I do not lose. I've been using those skills ever since the day I was born. But in our technological, highly productive, modern society, we really need to use rational thinking skills to work a job, to use public transit, to jump in the car and go to the grocery store, select what we want, take it home and put it away. All of that requires both memory skills and rational thinking skills. But here's what I can still do. With my intuitive thinking skills, I am receiving all the information from my environment that my senses bring to me. Everything that I can see, hear, taste, touch, and smell is coming in loud and clear. It's coming in unfiltered exactly the way it always has. And of all of that sensory stimuli, a whole lot of it is beautiful to me. 
Right. There's going to be food that I love the taste of. There's going to be textures that I love. There is going to be smells that I love, colors, scenery, people. All of that is coming in loud and clear. Now, I, when I'm experiencing dementia, I will never lose the ability to receive sensory stimuli. I won't be able to choose and get it for myself. My companions need to do that for me. Right. Right. I just want to interject one thing because as the uh, disease process advances, people do lose tastes. They do lose smells. Um, they, uh, what I tell people very often is, you know, it, it's kind of a regression to where you started from. So people oftentimes prefer sweeter foods, smoother foods, things that provide comfort on a different level. And um, people oh, see you know, people- It's funny because I've never seen that outside really? of a care facility. Not outside a care facility. Oh, okay. Interesting. Well, it's also, I think, um, that once people move out of their comfort of their home into another environment, um, that that also takes them to a different place. We lose so much when Correct. we moved out of our homes. You know, and, and to me, that's, that's uh, leaving aside our strengths. And, and, you know, there's lots of information on the Dawn Method website that people can go look at. But, you know, that, that idea of moving people. Um, mindfulness is the ability to direct your attention as you wish. Correct. When we're experiencing dementia, we lose rational thinking, not intuitive thinking. We lose remembering skills. We do not lose experiential skills not at all. Right. As we age, we all know that our senses become dimmer. Our eyesight becomes worse. Our hearing becomes worse. Our sense of smell and taste. If it's Alzheimer's-induced dementia that you're experiencing, very likely you'll have sense of smell and taste begin to diminish. Right. Um, institutionalization and institutional food will hasten that. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. However, mindfulness would also lose our ability to direct redirect and maintain our attention when we're experiencing right. dementia. We don't right. lose the ability to focus and we don't lose intensity. We, right. There are times when with my clients, there, a client would be unable to remove their attention away from something that you really wish they would. Right. On the other hand, although I'm losing those attention skills, what I do not lose is the two tools of mindlessness. Mindlessness is not something Americans ever want to talk about, but right. every one of us benefits from the two tools of mindfulness every day. A wonderful little book to read is Ellen Langer's book, Mindfulness. She's the mother of mindfulness. She was the first woman hired as a professor in the psychology department of um, Harvard back in what, the 70s or the 80s? I can't remember, but there's mindfulness, Langer Mindfulness Institute so across the world. She points out that we all benefit from automatic thinking scripts and muscle memory every day. Right. If you and I had to get up every morning and think to ourselves, hmm, 
I appear to be in pajamas. Now, in order to find clothing here in this room, I wonder where it would be. Right. Let's see, what do I need to put on? We do so many things using muscle memory. Correct. When you, when you wake up in the middle of the night and you go from bedroom to bathroom, and you've lived in the same place for some period of time, you go to bedroom to bathroom and back to bed, that's muscle memory. Correct. When you go to get dressed, when you when you empty the dishwasher, when you run a load of laundry, you are using an automatic thinking script. Correct. You don't need to use memory and you don't need to use rational thinking skills right. because you've got an automatic thinking script that helps you perform the task. That's it's Why it's almost then? like a procedural memory. It's it's a procedure of it. Right. Body. It's body, right. bodily memory is what muscle right. memory is. But think about what happens when you take somebody who has lost memory skills and rational thinking skills and you move them into a new place. Oh, absolutely. It's you script them. Correct. They're, so this is why you see, you know, we say to ourselves, I'm going to put mom in assisted living because she'll be safer there. Well, will she? Right, exactly. Well, she really, because she's functioning at a fairly high level right now in this familiar place. But as soon as you move her, you're going to see her ability to function drop. Absolutely. And we do. Yeah. But but just uh, before we end, and I think we could go on and on about this, and I'd we love could. to have another conversation with you about this. Um, yeah. But people are in a situation where they feel they can't manage um that person at home any longer, whether it's they have a job outside the home, whether it's because as you know, the physical condition advances, there are more difficulties and they the home itself, the home itself, they can get somebody to help them the number of hours a day, a day, Uh, maybe the person's health is deteriorating. So maybe the house is, is, you know, they can't use the technology. There's too many steps. It's not in a good neighborhood anymore. There's a thousand good reasons. Correct. So I think I don't want people to feel that they can't make that move, but um, because sometimes that is the only decision that is the best one for them in the situation. But to be mindful of all these changes that we're talking about that can happen once you do move somebody into another environment and to be aware of that. It just takes, you know, really, it just takes educating ourselves a little bit. If we were to learn what it means, which skills we're losing and which skills we keep, you know, somebody who keeps their intuitive thinking skills, boy, oh boy, are they ever reading nonverbal communication? Absolutely. Well, we need Absolutely. to understand. And when you start to learn which skills are lost, which are kept, when you start to look at this individual as a human being having an emotional response to not being able to do what they've been able to do their entire lives. And then if we think then about where they are in their journey, When's the best time to move and pick the best time to make that move? We can maximize their autonomy. We can maximize their safety and we can, we can prolong their functioning and their ability to interact for much longer. It's it's really, you know, instead of being afraid and ignoring it and turning your eyes away and just like, Oh my goodness, it's bad. Now it will only get worse. I don't want to think about it. So how can, how could people find out about the Dawn Method or get in touch with you or um, how would they 
you know, work with you or find out about this process and how it could help them in their lives. I, uh, what part of the country are you in? Um, oh, no one will ever find me. I'm, I'm as far north as you can get in I the think, state of Idaho. I think <laughs> I remember that. Uh, so if somebody's in, um, in, in Florida, in Miami Beach or, or wherever, or in Southern California, how would, they, um, how would they find out about this? How would they get in touch with you? Actually, I do a lot of work in England India, Brazil, Canada, um, all over the world, Malaysia. But um, the the Dawn Method is my website is thedawnmethod.com. Um, on YouTube or on Google, if you put in Judy and then dementia, that's me. <laughs> I'm okay. all through it. Uh, Judy Cornish is still below Judy Collins in search terms. But, <laughs> but uh, Judy Cornish will bring up my books. And, and on the website, there's lots of, we've got a lot of resources, more than 75 blogs. Um, you could sign up for a newsletter, but, and I've got the two books out. So, um, you know, as long as you've got the internet, it's all right there at your fingertips. Oh. So. Judy, this has been so terrific. I mean, I learned a lot. I'm sure <laughs> listeners will learn a lot as well. And um, yeah, I'd love to have another conversation with you about oh, this. Obviously, you're, you know, a wealth of knowledge and information and, and, and value to, you know, to give people to hold on to, to have a better understanding. And you really can. You can. You can work with it. You know, right. it, it's, you know, there's a way to work with, you know, if you experience uh, people who have to live with a lot of physical pain, you learn ways to work with it. And, and like anything else in life, we can learn how to work with dementia and support people uh, and support their strengths. So that's, that's my, my message, I suppose. So. Oh, well, I really appreciate it. So thanks again. I, it's just been terrific. Oh, and yeah, um, it's been fun. So please join me on the next episode of Senior Straight Talk for more informative conversations for the senior years of our lives, sponsored by Active Pure Technology. This is Phyllis Amon signing off. And please remember to like, click, and share the episodes. And until next time, stay safe, stay well, and stay tuned. Thank you for listening to Senior Straight Talk. Join your host, Phyllis Amon, again soon for another episode on the Voice America Empowerment Channel or your favorite podcast platforms.